and you're listening to another Deva Crew Projects podcast. My name's Elise De Beer. My name is Gabrielle van der Merve. Today, Elise and I are sitting in the middle of our exhibition, our latest exhibition, The Colorist Manifesto, here at the Montebello Design Center in Newlands, David Crit Projects, Cape Town. In today's podcast, we're going to be speaking about the curation of the, um, the Colorist Manifesto and summarizing how all the artworks came together. The idea came about when we were just taking down Deborah Bell's exhibition that's been up for about three months. And we decided that we wanted to bring more color into the space. It was as simple as that. And so what we did was we curated a bunch of uh, David Crew Project's artists that have worked with us in the workshop to who have predominantly worked in color because traditionally printmaking exists within a monochromatic realm and we wanted to to show people which artists within printmaking push the boundaries of color and celebrate color in their works. Elise, can you tell us a bit more about how we approach the curation of the works because they are so vastly different? So our approach to the curation of the show, like you said, was focused around color. What we'll do is we have a few installation images of the exhibition up on our website if you want to see um, kind of what we're referencing. But we really were looking at those color relations of how the yellows fade into the greens and how the greens fade into the oranges. So that's kind of how we were looking at the layouts of the exhibition and the connections. For example, we have the Mongezi placed next to a Bronwyn Findlay and how those beautiful color relations with the yellows come together. We were also referencing, we really wanted to make this a bit more of an exciting exhibition in terms of the layout. We referenced an exhibition that we did in the gallery back in 2010, um, curated by Jacqueline Flint, called um, The Benediction of Shade. And their artworks were, f- were themed around looking at trees and nature, but the artworks were hung in a way that they were on different levels and they were interacting and overlaying with each other. So we wanted to take the same steps and the same look at the exhibition. So we have works that are hung at different levels, not all at eye height. So it makes you interact with the artworks in a different way and you start to look more about those color relations and how they're all coming together. Yeah, even the framed and unframed aspect of it gave us more space to play around in terms of presenting some of the prints just as they are, which works really well. This bold, raw umber stripe that we have going right horizontally across the whole exhibition space, across the walls um, on either side. And the idea of that came from a podcast we did with Matthew Hindley a while ago. If you haven't haven't heard it yet, please go check it out in our podcasts on Podomatic or on iTunes. He mentioned to us that he paints his whole studio in a wash of raw umber. Having the color on the wall, as opposed to having just the, the works up on the stark white walls of the gallery, it really does make a difference in how you look at the color, how the color pops. And having just a stripe there, it really helps you compare that quality of how 
it changes the sensitivity of your eye. And that was really fun because that's something we really appreciate about being able to have these podcasts and work with uh, different types of artists that aren't necessarily printmakers is that we learn something new every time and we can experiment in this space, especially because it's such an unconventional space being that it still has the original um, cow shed floors and a really different rustic aesthetic to it with these super high ceilings. And what's really nice about having this... Um this warm colored strip is that it also ties the works together. So we have on, you'll see in the installation images, on one side of the wall, it's a, a thicker line, um, thicker stripe going across through the work. So it combines them quite nicely. And on the other side, we have a thinner line also connecting those works together. So it was another way of us using color to connect the artworks. If you have given Matthew Hindley's podcast a listen, and you are curious to see what the results were of him working with us. We have about four of his etchings and two of his monoprints up on show for you to come check out for yourself. Um, on that note, Elise, can you tell us about a bit more about the, the techniques in printmaking that are mostly used when working with color? So what's really great about color within printmaking is that you can use almost all of the mediums at your disposal and you just need some really beautiful colored inks. But I can give you guys a quick little crash course into kind of some of the techniques that used. So in, for example, Matthew Hindley, he made use of dry points. And how a dry point works is that you're working off of a matrix, whether it's a piece of perspex or a metal such as brass or copper and directly working into the plate. We're commonly using a needle, for example. It gives you a really great way to make drawn marks, which I know Matthew really enjoyed. Another process that was used um, that we have on show is a monotype. And what's really wonderful about a monotype is that you can be quite versatile. So we have some watercolor monotypes on show, and some artists have used crayon, like um, Maya Malovic, for example. As our centerpiece, almost straight as you walk in, you see the Quinton Williams monotypes. He's very well known for using mixed media in his monotypes, like beeswax, giving the works interesting texture. And that's the fun thing about monotype. It is the almost a great introduction to, to printmaking, as we saw when we had our own little children's monotype event, which was very successful in terms of having the children engage with all kinds of surfaces and surroundings around them, like plants and all kinds of things which they imprinted in. And that makes it a very experimental and fun way of getting out of your comfort zone. Exactly. What's wonderful about monotype is that it's so versatile. You can really make marks that are very painterly, like Mongezi has, and then you're making things that are a bit more rigid, very similar to Beth Armstrong's works mm -hmm. that we have on show. And it's an introduction to how to transfer an image, which makes monotype. Like you said, for our children's monotype workshop, it's perfect for that. Yeah. And then one of the other techniques that we have on show here um, are our etchings. So it takes a similar approach to the dry points, but you're using a metal surface and you're 
using an acid to etch into the surface. So commonly you're either going to use ferric chloride or in some cases you can also use nitric acid. And with those, with etching, there really is so much room to play around because you can make very drawn marks, you can use, you can make, make very painterly marks using sugar lift techniques. So the possibilities are endless. And then you have the artists that we've used etching is, for example, Penny Siopis and also Claire Gavransky, who's made use of the um, acid etching process. As well as Lorenzo. Yes. Yeah. Lorenzo's also made use of the, to make those beautiful straight lines. Yeah. And then one of, for like I said, etching being so versatile and there's a lot of things that you can do with making use of acid. Uh, one of those is acritant, where you're putting down a gum resin that's melted onto the copper or brass plate and then using the acid to kind of eat away from that resin that you put down. And then from that, you're able to get beautiful tonal marks and tonal ranges. And an artist that's used that quite well is Jakub von Skolkvik. So tell us a bit about the my personal favorite, the Senzo Shibango. That's right by the door here. Uh, it's quite different from the others, not just in terms of color, but in terms of technique. I think it's the only vino um, cut here. Vino cut. So... Uh, Senzo's work there, it's a, it's a liner cut, a relief print. So that means that instead of you carving, making a mark where ink sits within, you're making a mark where this ink will sit on top of a matrix, so on top of a surface. So here, there he's used um, lino to carve into, and it's actually a lino that's made out of three separate liner cuts that are then put together onto the same piece of paper. So you have the beautiful rich black, which you really loves using. You find that the black really helps solidify a work. And then he's got a beautiful rich red and the beautiful gold. And that's quite common in using color in printmaking is that the artist usually uses more than one matrix when they're using more than one color. So you'll probably usually see in a description of a print that has color in it that they say this is a two plate etching or something like that and that's what that means. Yeah exactly and we can see that even in Jakub and Skolkweg's waltz where they we used four separate etching plates for the four separate colors which gives it that beautiful swirl of color in mm. the work. Another artwork that's sitting close close to Senzo's work there is Joseph Hart's Nine Ideas. First of all, it's just such a playful work. It reminds me of when you were a kid and you'd draw all those lines yes. on a, um, and then you'd land up coloring in the spaces that connect. And in those spaces that connect, we've used um, Sheen Calais. And Sheen Calais is essentially um, a Japanese rice paper where you're using these colored pieces of papers and almost gluing them to the surface of the print. That's also, it's much more evident, um, the quality of the Shinkale paper itself in Wilma's work because she has this tiny cut-out dog in the corner, Progression 12, uh, where you can really see the quality of Shinkale in itself. I think Shinkale has a lovely quality where you can play around with color, I mean, any very different types. I mean, Joseph Hart's even used a beautiful copper metallic paper in it as well. 
and it gives the artist the ability to play with that collaging aspect which can be quite fun and then lastly we're looking at how artists have used etching and dry point techniques such as Claire Gavansky and Bronwyn Finley but how they've added color using hand painting and I really like that process because it shows the possibility of print you can pull something from the press and that doesn't necessarily have to be the final product you can go in and add layers of color using watercolor and drawing even onto the surface so Bronwyn Findley's kind of added these beautiful um, washes of yellows and these beautiful bright pinks that just gives you a broad idea of of the complexities of printmaking and there's so many different ways of working and that's so lovely because some artists would feel more comfortable in, in one aspect of printmaking and not comfortable in another but they have that option to choose and choose the one that best represents or reflects their process mm. um, and then also finding the best medium to represent their concept and things like that mm. and I think what's interesting about this show is that we did in the beginning approach it purely from a color perspective. So that's how the artworks are connected. We didn't approach them as looking at each artworks and each artist's individual concepts behind the artworks because they are so vastly different. And I think that's something that we should, should not disregard in this exhibition. We need to still be aware of each artist's concept and the meaning behind the works because the artists have also used the, those particular colors to convey a certain meaning in a certain context. One big example with that is the work by Penny Siopis and her Shame series because we did approach this exhibition for it to be colorful and bright and I think we did tend to be quite light-hearted um, and also in terms of how we've laid out the works on different levels and then we started to so the exhibition opened on the 17th of March, and now we're here in April, so we've had time to look at the exhibition and see how it's developed. And we just saw that there are some works that have a bit more of a somber subject matter and meaning behind them, such as Penny's works. So for example, uh, the Shame series really looks at the ideas and experience of shame, both as a public phenomenon and as a psychological condition. Shame involves psychological nakedness, exposure, humiliation, hurt, guilt, and deep embarrassment. And how Penny has used her etchings and how she's made the marks and the use of this, the very dark maroon and dark olive green, she's really gotten those ideas across. So we really need to be aware of how some of these artworks have a bit of a somber meaning to them within an exhibition that is quite bright and light-hearted. Yeah, and I think the concept does um, work in a sense because the, the Shame Sorry series is very much playing on the, the use of the words shame and sorry within um, South African context of how we use those words um, that can sometimes be used ironically or, you know, 
it's like saying ach shame to something yeah it's great. yeah and it's more of a the word loses sometimes a lot of its meaning exactly and so it's it it has an interesting relationship within the space so what's important about having these penny works here what we've only come to notice after time reading the relationships between the works is that Penny's work really strengthens the work around it because it reminds you visually of um, the strength of the use of color, how, how we almost subconsciously curated these colors together, but the moods are so specific to the color, if that makes sense. The colors that Penny uses in her works and the works around it translating those same colors tell you that obviously these colors are connected to a more somber um, expression of emotion. Um, they have a more, um, they have a specific feeling and specific emotive energies. And that brings us back to the importance of color. Like I said, now we're starting to look back at the exhibition and how things are actually relating together. I mean, even now as we're sitting here, we can see that there's this interesting divide we've almost made in the actual space where the one side of the wall, so we're traveling and we're looking at the bright Quinton William works and then we're looking at Bongerzi's and uh, Bronwyn Finley into Yaku's works and Matthew's and it's all quite, they're using these really bright colors and these light colors, and it starts to convey of a lighter concept. And then when we go into the other side of the wall, where the Penny Siopis works are, and the Wilma Cruises, a lot of the colors are a lot richer. They're a lot deeper and a little bit darker. So it's interesting how the one side of the wall conveys more of a somber narrative, and the other one's conveying something that's a little bit more lighthearted. Yes. And what I think I was telling you yesterday was that the feeling that I get from looking at the one wall that's and the other wall, these walls are parallel to each other, but they have, like you said, very different feelings in terms of color use. And it's and if you even look at the the layout of the subject matter the the one wall that has the lighter, more vivid colors are give a feeling of the outside, like a more extroverted, outwardly expression, and the the other side is with the with the somber colors, the the warmer colors is more of like an inwardly comfortable, introverted, um, emotional feeling, uh, personal emotional feeling that ties that if you spend enough time in the space you'd be able to create a narrative for yourself in terms of outwardly and inwardly expression um, at least that was my experience in spending some time here and i think it's it's important for us to to notice that mm. and you can only really look at how the works are living together in a space after they've been in there for a while i think within the first week you're still just getting used to the color in the space. And then we can start to looking at each individual concept. And I love how those connections are then being made, which I think is 
wonderful about an exhibition because it allows an exhibition to keep growing and to keep evolving when you start noticing the small connections between works and how they all start to live together. We also tried to make this an informative space um, in terms of the QR codes that you will notice replaces the standard description of the artworks where you can scan the QR code and it'll take you directly to one of our workshop blog posts that are on a specific artist or even um, it'll take you straight to the artwork itself where there's a write-up about it or or even a technique in terms of Joseph's work because we have so many great um, resources of information regarding printmaking on our website that we wanted to draw people's attention to. Because these artworks, um, most of them are made in our workshop and they're artists that we've worked with um, for quite a while and we really do see ourselves as working quite collaboratively with them. The QR codes are great because it allows viewers to be open into a world where they can look at that information. Um, And even if it's just curious about a particular technique, of how chinkele is used and how dry point is used. You can so we wanted to bring together the informative and the visual all in one exhibition. Thank you so much, Gabby. Um it was great chatting to you about the the exhibition. And one last thing um that we should mention is definitely keep your eye out. We're soon to bring out our little Colorist Manifesto booklet, which is a book where um, a, a, a lot of the artists on show have given testimonials about why they enjoy using color and print printmaking and looking at their color inspiration and looking at the difference between working in monochromatic and working in color. So definitely keep your eyes and ears open for that. Thank you, Elise. And thank you, listeners, for joining us in this podcast. Please visit our website, as we mentioned before, and check out our other podcasts. Um, We will have all the information in the description below. And please feel free to contact us if you have any other questions regarding the exhibition or printmaking. We love to chat. Even better if you can come in personally and visit us at the beautiful Montebello Design Centre.